Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who carved out an impressive 15-season career in the NHL, playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Detroit Red Wings, New York Rangers, and Los Angeles Kings. He is best remembered for his heroics in the 1970-71 Stanley Cup semifinals when he scored two overtime goals for the New York Rangers, one of which was in triple overtime of Game 6 of the Stanley Cup playoff semifinals at Madison Square Garden, which forced a seventh game between the Rangers and the Blackhawks. He was a member of the last Maple Leaf team to win a Stanley Cup in 1967, and he was one of the top face-off men of his era. This past week, he put on his familiar number 21 New York Rangers jersey, walked the red carpet as part of his teammates John Rattel's retirement celebration. He is a bridge to generations of Ranger fans, as you can now hear him on radio broadcasts of the Rangers on MSG Radio Network. It is a pleasure to welcome the Polish Prince Stemmer, number 21 in your program, Pete Stemkowski to WLIE <laughs> Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Stemmer. Thank you very much. That's a, boy, that's quite an introduction, man. I mean, uh, I didn't realize that I had uh, been around or accomplished all that, but uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words, and nice to be with you tonight. It's absolutely our pleasure. You know, before we talk about John Rattel Knight and the current Rangers, let's talk about your great career. You played your junior hockey in your hometown of Winnipeg from 1960 to yeah. 1962 as a member of the yeah. Winnipeg Monarchs. You right. lead the team in goals in both seasons under Jim Irvin and one under Gord Simpson. <laughs> what did you learn from those? two coaches as a young man in major juniors? Well, you guys have really done your homework because a lot of guys would remember, you know, the coaches. Well, Jim, you know, was one of my, uh, God, you know, you guys, you know, we're going back over 50 years here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember Gordy Simpson had a real impact on me. He was, uh, I was kind of hot-headed at 16, 17. I, I could score goals, but I got a lot of penalties. And uh, he, he kind of said, "Look, you know, uh, they get they, they get under your skin a little bit. They know what you can do, and every time they they stick a stick into you, and uh, you know, you retaliate, and you end up at the penalty box." So, when I was uh, 17 years of age, the Toronto Marlies came to me in, in Winnipeg and said, "Look, at uh, you know, you're playing in Winnipeg, nice, it's home, and yeah, you're staying at home with your parents, but we'd like you to play for the best junior team in one of the best junior leagues in Canada. That's the Ontario Junior League, and we want you to come to the Toronto Marlies." So. I, uh, you know, I had things going in Winnipeg, you know, leading score and things like that. But it was, you know, probably one of the biggest decisions I ever had made, made in my life. Uh, you know, had I not made that decision to go to Toronto, I probably never would have had the career that I had. But uh, I left Winnipeg at a very tender age. You know, I was white socks. I was green behind the ears. And uh, I, I went to Toronto, and it was, it was great. I, we ended up winning a Memorial Cup there. So Winnipeg, 16, played junior. Then it was time to leave to go to Toronto, and that's played a couple of years there with the Marlies, and then uh, you know went on to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's interesting because when you were playing for the Marlies, you also you, you made your NHL debut with the Maple Leafs, playing in one game that yeah. year as a 20-year-old. <laughs> and you know, looking back at that team, I have to wonder what it's like for a 20-year-old to walk into a locker room with guys like Andy Bathgate, Al Arbor, George Armstrong, Tim Horton, Red Kelly, Johnny Bauer, Eddie Shack, Frank Mahovlich, not to mention the head coach, Punch Imlach. That, that's well, a who's you know, who of I, I don't know whether you remember, or you, you, you guys certainly have done your homework. I can see that, but I don't know whether you, you know the result of that game. It was uh, it was a Saturday afternoon. 6-5. Six, we used to six, play on five? Sundays, the Marlies. I think it was a 6-5 six, lo- uh, loss, maybe? No, it was 11-0. Eleven, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
It was 11 nothing. Jimmy Pappen came down with the flu, and they couldn't get anybody in from Rochester or Tulsa in time. So they said, well, let's go to the juniors, and Stemkowski's the leading scorer with the junior team. Let's bring him up for the game. And I went into Maple Leaf Gardens, and all of a sudden the lights were brighter uh, because it was colored TV, and uh, uh, the players were bigger. And I walked into the room with Mahavlich, Johnny Bauer, and Carl Brewer, and George Armstrong, Bob Pulford, those kind of guys, and uh, sat down, played the game. And uh, you, you can look this one up. We lost 11 nothing that game. Uh, we, against the Boston Bruins. Don Simmons was the goalkeeper for us, and uh, after the game, uh, Punch was asking, you're going to take Stemkowski to Chicago because they played Chicago next night. He goes, no, I think we embarrassed him enough for one night, and I did not make that trip to Chicago. And believe it or not, Don Simmons, who was in Nets and lost 11 nothing, went into Chicago next night and beat the Chicago Blackhawks with Stan Nikita and Bobby Hull and beat them 2 nothing. So it goes to show you how, how strange this game can be sometime. But that was my, that was my first NHL game, 11 loss, 11 nothing loss to the Boston Bruins. Wow. So 66-67 yeah. was really your first full season in NHL, and what a season it is. Um, you helped the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. You scored five goals, seven assists for 12 points in 12 games. Leafs beat the Blackhawks and the Canadians en route to the Stanley Cup. And we've been lucky enough to have lots of guys who have won the Stanley Cup on our show, and it's always interesting to hear their recollections of the moment the person handed them the cup. So, first of all, do you remember who handed you the cup and what that felt like? Well, well, you know, you know, back then, guys, that was 50 years ago. They didn't do the parade around the ice. You know, they didn't go around the ice and then pass it off to uh, to Pulford, to Pappen, to Bauer. They didn't do that. The captain, George Armstrong, came, and I think Clarence Campbell was the president of the National Hockey League back there. He presented it to a George Armstrong, and then we just gathered around the chief, George Armstrong, and we just... Uh, you know, hugged and grabbed it and held it in the air, and it was passed around. There was no skating around. Right. So I know that there are many pictures today even shown of us, you know, the crowd hanging around. And I, I guess I was smart enough to, you know, get my face right next to George Armstrong. So there's a lot of pictures of me standing next to that that Stanley Cup. But, uh, you know, we beat the Montreal Canadiens in game six of that, uh, that, uh, that series in 1967. And, hey, God, you know, everybody picked Montreal to win it. It was Expo 67. They were going back to Montreal for a big celebration in the summertime then. So they wanted to have the Stanley Cup there. And I, I know Punch Imlach on a couple of occasions said there's no damn way that they're taking that cup to Montreal for Expo uh, in 67. But they were a better team. And, and we know, I, I think in our hearts, we knew if we had to go back to Montreal for a Game 7, we probably would not have won. So we won that game in Game 6 in Toronto. And, uh, you know, uh, I most people realize that now they haven't won a Stanley Cup in 50 years. So that's, that, was a, that was a great year and uh, great memories, and I still get a chance to see some of those guys. And that, that'll, that, that, that Cup win will live with us forever. There's something cool also back in the day when you won the Stanley Cup. When you won the Stanley Cup back in that era, the All-Star game the following year was against yep. the Stanley Cup champion. Right. And you know you guys played in that, and it was you versus the All-Stars. Uh, the, and it was the last time they did that because the following year they changed it to the divisional right. format in, in 69. Right. You got to assist it in that game. Do you feel that those All-Star games back then were much more competitive than what we see now? And, and do you think that would uh, be something that would be good for the NHL maybe to go back to? They keep on tinkering with the All-Star format. Well, you know, that, you know, I mean, back then we had some expansion, so they got some, you know, the best guys from the expansion league to play against us in '67. I think we got a goal in that game, and uh, I, I think we won that game. But uh, I remember we had a big banquet at the Royal York Hotel, and 
You know, like I said, I scored a goal in that game. But, you know, they tinker with it, like that, that three-on-three play that they have. You know, they're trying to make it more exciting. Back then it was, you know, for a team that wins the Stanley Cup this year, say they say it's like last year the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're trying to get an all-star team out of, you know, 30 other hockey teams. Is, you know, it's, it's pretty difficult. So I, I like the format that they have now. I like the skills competition that they have now. But back then, like you said, it was, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup champion. And when there was only six teams, it wasn't hard to pick, you know, 18 guys to play against them. But I always remember that. That was uh, that was a great moment, winning the Cup and then playing against uh, guys like Makita and Hall and Gordie Howe and, and those guys uh, in the All-Star game the following year. And uh, we, we ended up winning. So it was a great all, you know, 66, 67, 68 were, you know, great years for the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and for myself personally. Yeah, it's pretty cool that game. You guys did win 3-2. And the interesting side note to that story is um, because the goaltender, Johnny Barrow, was injured, he couldn't play. He was replaced by Al Smith, who was the starting minor league goaltender. He was actually the first goalie to ever appear in an NHL All-Star game, having only won one game as a goalie in his career. So that was something that was pretty cool back yeah. then. Two months later, 50 years ago yesterday, to be exact, the Leafs trade you to the Red Wings in a blockbuster deal that involved Frank Mahovlich, Gary Unger, Carl Brewer, Norm Ullman, Paul Henderson, Floyd Smith. This past week, we saw the Rangers trade a lot of players and heard the reactions of players coming and going in that group. What do you remember about the day you were traded from the first organization you ever knew? Well, first of all, uh, <laughs> this is, you may find this hard to believe, but this is a true story. Uh, the night before the trade was announced, Jimmy Pappen called me up and said, you know, Snemmer, you got, you're got you getting traded tomorrow, you know? And I goes, well, how do you know that? And <laughs> like I said, this is out of a mystery or a detective story. He says, well, one of the operators at Maple Leaf Gardens was in on the conversations, and she told somebody, and the word got around. So I, I actually knew the night before that I was getting traded through a, you know, somebody intercepting a phone call through the operator at Maple Leaf Gardens. So... You know, next day we got the we got the call, and uh, I went and saw Punch him like. And I, I always, you know, I don't, you know, you can't remember everything you said or did 50 years ago, but I do remember specifically saying to Punch him like, Punch, you're making a big mistake here, a big mistake, and uh, I think he did. You know, they haven't won a cup in 50 years. I tell people that. So the hex is on, but uh, myself, <laughs> Frank Mahovlich, and Gary Unger went to Detroit. Uh, you know, we were, I, it, was, it was sad to leave Toronto because we won a cup and. Back then, you know, hockey night in Canada, people back in Winnipeg, my hometown, and the rest of Canada would see us every Saturday night, so that exposure was great, but uh, it was time to move on. I was not having a good year, and uh, we went, you know, and, uh, it was great. We spent uh, uh, about a month, month and a half to, in in Detroit, and uh, we ended up going to a World Series game. The Detroit Tigers ended up beating the St. Louis Cardinals. We got a chance to meet Eddie Matthews, and... Uh, uh, Denny McLean and Mickey Lolich, they were all part, so we got a chance to shake hands with them and get an autographed baseball. So, it all, it, you know, in the end, it turned out pretty good. It was, I was sad to leave a Stanley Cup team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, but uh, I got some great memories uh, playing with the Detroit Red Wings. So it's pretty cool. So we've just unveiled something here. You know, Chicago had the Billy Goat you know, curse, and... You know, New yeah, York yeah, had the right. Tex Ritter curse. Now right. we know that Toronto has the Stemkowski the curse. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, right. Well, this year they got a pretty good team, yes. so we'll see. You know, they never, they you know, got Austin Matthews. They got some Nylander. They got some good, Warner, good players. Got Warner, some good yeah, goalkeeper some good and and Anderson over there. So uh, and you know, some great people running the show. Lou Lamorello and Mike Babcock. So it's yeah. going to be really, you know, really interesting to see how far the Toronto Maple Leafs go this year. 
Aside from getting that autographed baseball from Denny McLean and Eddie Matthews, I have to imagine that getting to play parts of four seasons with the great Gordy Howe, who was still putting up numbers at the age of in his forties when you were playing with him, what was it like playing with Gordy Howe and seeing the way he still prepared himself as a forty-year-old and still competing in the NHL and putting up amazing numbers? Well, Gordy was one of the boys. You know, he wasn't one of the. You know, obviously he was a superstar. You know, never thought he was. You know, heads above anybody else as far as getting favors or, or things like that. And you know, I often wonder of all the goals, you know, that Gordy Howe scored, and all the you know the goals that I had scored in the National Hockey League. If I ever figured in on on any of his goals, I wonder if anybody can ever do any kind of research on that because I know I got a chance to play a couple times with him, you know, on the power play with Alex Delvecchio and himself. So, but Gordy was great. Gordy would always keep himself occupied. He was one guy that you know between periods, some people would. Close their eyes, go, you know, rest up a little bit. Gordy was always kept his mind occupied, always reading a paper. He's always doing a crossword. When we would travel by airplane, somebody put a cushion behind your head and go to sleep. But Gordy wasn't like that. He kept very active, at least his mind was. And uh, uh, saw him, Mark, uh, Mark and Marty, the two little guys. Uh, you know, they were what, knee high when I was back there in Detroit. Now I see them up in the press box. They scout for different NHL teams and. I look at them and they look at me and go, "Well, you guys are 50 years old now, but boy, I remember you when you were just skating on the ice at our morning skates." But one of the class individuals, Gordy Howe, he's a tribute to the game, and uh, you know, Mr. Hockey, he certainly deserves that. All right, so now I have my homework. I'm going to go okay. to HockeyReference.com right, see how see. many assists that Pete Simkowski had <laughs> on Gordy Howe goals. That's a very doable thing. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, doable, for sure. Well, I guess I don't, I don't even think you could find that. No, I think we can. That's, and uh, yeah, when yeah, I see yeah. you at well, the Garden... I'd be interested in the final if I assisted on any of Gordy Howe's goals. If, I really would. If you're there Tuesday at the Garden, I'll come up to you and tell you that I number. I will be there. I'm uh, Winnipeg's in town, and uh, I'll be... Roger O'Bear and I are... Entertaining some people up in one of the boxes, so uh, I'll try to get it done by Tuesday. My, then my hometown, Winnipeg's coming into town, having a great year. We're working on it. Looking now. forward to the game on Tuesday. <laughs> All right, you know, you had your first two twenty goal season with the Red Wings, and you're eventually dealt to the Rangers for defenseman Larry Brown. It proved to be one of the best trades for the Rangers. You went on to play five hundred fifty one regular season and playoff games for the Rangers, where you scored more than half of your two hundred six NHL goals. What you know, back then in the original six, there was a lot of Rivalries, and when you guys played each other, teams, you know, there was, became a lot of dislikes. When you got traded to the Rangers, what's your first impression of the Ranger organization when you walked into that locker room, having been on well, the other side? Yeah, well, you know, I, I was I was extremely disappointed to leave the Detroit Red Wings. I, I was having a good year. I mean, and uh, Detroit didn't have a physical team at all. I mean, Gordy, you know, wasn't going and banging guys or Frank Mahovlich or Alex Delvecchio. We had. We had a good team, but a soft team, and I was a young guy. I wasn't that old at the time, and I was one guy that'd go in the corners, knock some people down. But uh, you know, we had, there was a, there was there's certainly a personality conflict with Ned Harkness. He was our coach back then. He came out of Cornell University, and he wanted everybody to kind of act like the college guys did with the blue blazer and the gray slacks kind of thing. And I, I I thought I was okay. I don't see myself doing anything wrong, but. He wanted his type of player, and he didn't really care too much for me, so I was gone, and I think it was instrumentally. He had me going. So when I came to the Rangers, I mean, I flew into LaGuardia Airport. I was picked up and taken to a place called El, El Vagabondo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back then, I, when I, we used to come into New York with Toronto, I, I used to, uh, God, I used to fly in, go to the hotel, go to the rink, get on the bus, get go to the airport, go back. So here I was. Eight million people in New York, and when I landed, uh, Brad Park's friend picked me up, took me to a place called, like I mentioned, El Vagabondo, and that's where I 
got my first taste of New York. And then uh, after dinner, I was single at the time. I said, well, we're going back to Long Beach, New York. That's where you're going to stay. There's a couple of single guys that have a big house. They have a spare bedroom. And uh, you know what? I'm talking to you from Long Beach, New York tonight. So that's 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 where I started. Uh, that's where I, when I got traded, this is where I ended up or started. And this is where I still am. Here today in Long Beach, New York. Right near the Long Beach Arena. Uh, Not far. We we, we talked in the open about your heroics in the 70-71 Stanley Cup semifinals when you scored two overtime goals for the Rangers, one of which was in triple overtime of Game 6 of the Stanley Cup playoff semifinals at the Garden, which forced the seventh game against uh, Rangers and Blackhawks. The goal pretty much was probably the Rangers' most famous Ranger goal, playoff goal until Matos in 94. What are your memories the second you you hear the fans cheering and that puck is in the net? Well, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, well, first of all, I, I think I remember some of the things that Chicago did that, you know, Stan Makito walking in, hitting one post, you know, rolling across the line, hitting the other post, and Rod Sealing ended up, you know, icing the puck, and then uh, Bill White coming in and hitting Jackman in the shoulder blade. You know, those two could have gone in, and, you know, my goal would have, you know, never would have occurred, but, uh, you know, three overtimes, and, uh, you know, people that weren't at the game, I always say, was, a, you know, an end-to-end rush, split to the fence, <laughs> top corner, but basically it was, you know, Tim Horton, his last point as a New York Ranger, he shot the puck in, Teddy Irvin took the shot, and I was just going up the middle and uh, put it past Tony Esposito, but I remember the game ended after midnight sometime, I don't, you know, we went out and we we, we ate and uh, we talked for a while, I mean, we were so hyped up after that game that I, I don't think I got home till about 6 o'clock in the morning, but you know, it's nice. It's a nice memory for me. It's a nice memory for people that still come up to me and say, you know, I was just a little guy and uh, I was listening on my transistor because my parents said there was school next day. So it's uh, it's a goal that'll you know live with me forever. You're part of the ceremony a week ago that honored your Ranger teammate John Rattel, the second member of the gag line to be so honored. Uh, Vic Hatfield will be joining him next year with, along with Roger Bear, whose numbers are already up in the rafters. Uh, what made that line so special? Well, you know, first of all, you know, I always think the key to any line is a good center iceman, especially back then when, you know, Sean Rattel was just uh, just an outstanding hockey player. He's a, a gentleman, highly skilled, kept himself in great shape, very humble. Uh, Rod Gilbert was the guy coming down the right wing with that big slap shot, and, and Vic Hatfield was the guy that went in the corners, and he protected those other two guys. I mean, you know, if any shenanigans broke out, uh, Vic was there to stand up for those other two guys. And plus, he, he had a lot of talent, too. He, you know, he scored 50 goals the, the one year. So you just had a combination of one guy could do something good, the other guy could, and when you put them all together, you, you get a you know get a pretty good recipe for those guys. So uh, they, they just really work well together. I mean, Jean Rattel and... I mean, he worked out, lifted weights in the offseason, and, you know, Rod was Mr. New York back then, and Vic was just a hard-nosed left-winger guy. So, you know, the fact that they're retiring Vic Hatfield's number next year, I mean, I, 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 we were all very surprised when the announcement came. I know Vic was. I mean, he was standing up at the time, and when they made the announcement, he kind of fell back and into a chair. So we all went over and said, you know, Vic, are you, you, know, are you okay? Are you okay? You better, you know, come on, take care of yourself. We need you for next year. So... I kiddingly told him, you know, Vic, you got a whole year to prepare your speech for next year. So they just complimented each other so well, and uh, it was unfortunate the one year that, you know, Jean broke his ankle, and that kind of put a halt to our uh, Stanley Cup hopes. We're talking to Ranger legend Pete Stemkowski. Emil Francis spoke at that ceremony, and at 91 years old, he still has so much energy. So I can only imagine what it was like to be a player for a coach like that. What do you remember most about you know, the cat as a coach? 
class guy. First of all, treat everybody the same, and whether you're the fourth line guy or the first line guy. And you know what? He cared about his players. You know, and, and and if there's any disappointment that I have in my in my NHL career, I mean, I have a lot of highs. You know, winning the cup and you know being in a couple of Hall of Fames and you know at the NHL Hall of Fame, but. Uh, you know, I'm very, very thankful for that. But, you know, the thing that really disappointed me the most is that we didn't win a cup for him. But the thing he cared about is players. I mean, uh, off the ice. I mean, we were in Boston once, and uh, a couple of guys were in a taxi cab, and I think they had a little bumper, uh, you know, a couple of cars uh, collided with something. They ended up in the hospital. And uh, I remember the big thing was Amos. They could get to the hospital, make sure those guys are okay. When somebody had a baby, uh, you know, he made sure that he found out about it. So not only did he... You know, hardworking guy, honest guy, treated everybody fairly. He cared about his players personally. You know, off the ice, if there was a problem, you know, you wouldn't hesitate to go see him. So, seeing him at nine years of age, and you know, I, I got a little frightened there when they brought out that golf cart and he jumped off the cart there and onto the ice. I grabbed like, the golf bag just in case he falls down. But yeah, he was great. You know, he we talked some, we told some old stories, and he, you know, he stayed right, you know, right till the end. And I know he has some family health issues with his wife, but uh, he was leaving next morning at an early flight, but, uh, you know, we sat up in the skybox up there with him right through the game, and we told some old stories, so, you know, uh, I mean, the the highlight was Jean Rattel, but the other highlight for me, obviously, was to uh, get a, a chance to, to see uh, Emil Francis again. Now, Larry Brooks had an amazing article this past week comparing the two very good eras of Ranger hockey, the one that's ending now with Hen- well, Henrik Lundqvist will still be playing, but the, this 12-year period of excellence and compared it to your Ranger teams and, and the, the Rattel and, and Emil Francis teams. is In a book written, you know, we did everything but win it all. Yeah. Uh, I don't see the two similarities because your teams were much more skilled. You know, when you have a park or a tell, and you know you have guys that were second, third, fourth in scoring. But how difficult was it to be that good? And and like you said, if Rattel doesn't break his ankle, you probably do get a cup out of, of one of those years. How difficult was it to be part of such a talented team that achieved so much but couldn't get to that final level? Well, you know, we used to beat teams we weren't supposed to beat in the playoffs and lose the teams that we should beat. And then, you know, in the early 70s there, we ran into a guy named Bobby Orr that pretty well, you know, carried that, that team. And, they, and uh, you know, the sad part for them, for us at least, was Bobby Orr winning the cup in Mad- Madison Square Garden. I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was extremely disappointing for us. You know, back then, when you had lines, you pretty well stick together. I mean, you look at the National Hockey League now, you know, you're going to see Zibanejad with two guys today, and then uh, next game he might be playing with somebody else. Back then it was McGregor, Irving, and Stemkowski, Rattel, Gilbert, and Hatfield. They never varied. I mean, unless there was an injury and somebody had to step forward, but you, you were kind of set on who you played with back then. But, uh, no, uh, you know, we had some great moments here. We went deep. We really went deep. And uh, like I said, unfortunately, we didn't have enough to cross the finish line first, but you know, one of the disappointments that we didn't win and, and we didn't bring a cup for for, for Amel Francis. But, uh, you know, the Oars, the Espositos, those kind of guys that we hitch up against, the Montreal Canadiens, we would beat them in the playoffs and then lose to somebody else. So uh, it's unfortunate. I would have been absolutely terrific if we could have won a, won a Stanley Cup with those teams. I just could imagine what the celebration would have, was, would have been like. But uh, close, but, uh, you know, it, it, never, it never came about. 
As a player who witnessed the teardown of those Francis here Rangers trading Rattel, Hadfield Park, waving Jockman, and now as someone who covers the team, seeing the buyout of Dan Girardi, trades a step on Nash, McDonough, and Miller, what are the similarities between those two teardowns and the differences? Well, yeah, there is. You know, we started getting rid of guys. Uh, you know, Brad went, and you mentioned Sean Rattel. We were pretty surprised we were in Oakland when that trade was announced. I mean, I got a call at 8.30 in the morning from somebody here in the East saying, hey, uh, big trade. And uh, I thought, okay, uh, it's some kind of a joke or something. And then somebody mentioned come down to the coffee shop, and we did. And there was Sean and Brad Park saying goodbye to everybody, and Phil Esposito joined us. And that was his, his first game as a ranger was in Oakland against the Oakland Seals. And then Eddie was... Uh, I remember the thing with Eddie. We were going to Montreal to play a game. It was a Friday night, and uh, we used to fly commercial back then. And, uh, you know, we go up and down the aisles. I mean, you would notice. Somebody noticed, hey, where's Eddie? <laughs> He's not on the plane. And I guess that Friday afternoon he was called into the office here in Long Beach at our practice facility and said he was he was being put on waivers. So they start to, you know, dismantle the team a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's what they're doing this year. I mean, uh, you know, so far it looks pretty good on what they're, you know, the jury's still out on, on the Rangers this year. They're certainly within striking distance of making the playoffs, but, uh, you know, going on that Western trip and winning in Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton, that's certainly a big a big plus for them, and uh, they come home now for a couple of games, so uh, we'll see how that fares. Get a couple more points, and you're right in the thick of that playoff battle. You know, you mentioned some of the guys they brought back in return, and you've had the opportunity to see some of the young guys they brought up in Gilmore, Pionk, uh, D'Angelo, and some of the guys they've added, uh, O'Gara. Uh, then you also take a look at Ryan Spooner and Nemestikov. What are your first impressions of these guys? Well, Ryan Spooner's got, what, a seven points? Seven points. Uh, <laughs> hardworking, 25 years old. Uh, I'm not sure he might be on the last year of a contract, so that might be a situation for the Rangers next year. The uh, was Nemestikov uh, from Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, used to, I think they had him on the wing, if I'm not mistaken, in Tampa Bay, and he always says his, uh, his comfortable position is center ice. So uh, he was, uh, I believe, a first-round pick number 27th overall, so Tampa thought that highly of him to, to take him, and uh, probably not as physical as J.T. Miller is, but, you know, let these guys fit in a little bit, let them get back to New York, uh, find a place to live, and have a couple of pra- uh, practices under their belt, and, uh, you know, there's a fence. Uh, you got these kids down there playing in, in Hartford, and, uh, you know, when you draft people, the, you know, your goal is to have them play for the NHL someday, so... You know, with Ryan McDonough gone and, and Holden and Girardi gone, these guys are stepping up. I mean, but, you know, one one problem we still have, and, you know, you look at Hendrick Lundqvist, two straight games over 50 shots, and that's not good. So we're going to have to, you know, we can, I think we can put the puck in in the other net, but we certainly have to tighten ourselves up in our own zone. And uh, uh, it happened last night in Edmonton, I, I believe, what, 20 shots? I didn't look at the totals, but at least that came down from 50. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see the finish here as far as the Rangers are concerned. And, uh you know, hopefully we can make the playoffs. You know, Pete, your number 21 does not hang up in the rafters in MSG, no. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's retired in Long Beach, where I'm pretty sure that if you wanted to, you could run and be mayor. Uh, we really appreciate <laughs> your time tonight. More importantly, your time as a New York Ranger. Yeah. And uh, by Tuesday, you know, Ryan right now is going through your game logs as we speak uh, with uh-huh. the Red Wings, and we're going to try to see how many assists you had. And I'll come up to you Tuesday, and I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay, great. It was uh, nice talking to you guys tonight. Thanks for calling. See you Tuesday, Stemmer. Pete Stemkowski, New York Ranger legend.